when I'm asked, like, what's my favorite CrossFit movement? Um, you know, my answer is not the one that I'm most skilled at. Uh, it is, in fact, one that I really thought was impossible to handstand walk. Uh, so I practiced that handstand walk forever, and I couldn't do one. I, I just I could not do it. I, I mean, I'm over here. I could best almost anyone at, a, at mu- in muscle ups, uh, you know, and in high school movements. But that wretched handstand walk, I couldn't do a kind of pick and walk. Uh, like three feet was an impossibility. Hey, everybody! It's Coach Charlie. Welcome or welcome back to the Building Better People podcast, brought to you by BoomFit. Thanks for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following interview inspires you to take the next step in your fitness journey. Enjoy. My name is Jacob Kelly. I am a new coach at BoomFit, 28 years old and from Belton, Texas. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. This is going to be really awesome. Um, Jacob, we love having you here already. It's your, your second week and you and I have kind of been visiting now, I guess almost, almost two months, you know, mm-hmm. about seven weeks since the first time you and I spoke. And my goal with this today is just one to kind of get you to open up and share your fitness journey, but two for our members to really get to know you mm-hmm. because you're already starting to interact with them, but for them to hear a little bit more about you. So let's just start out kind of like you said you're from Belton. Mm-hmm. Give me a little background, more like a bio. We'll, we'll dive into your fitness journey later, but um, you know, did you grow up in Belton? Mm-hmm. Uh, where'd you go to school? You know, where, what brought you here? Yeah. I was born and raised in Belton and to um, some wonderful Christian parents, and they uh, brought me up uh, in just a very, I would say, evangelical Southern Baptist household um, and established a lot of great values in me from early on. I started uh, playing the violin whenever I was really little, and I would say that is the most defining feature for me through my early childhood and young adulthood. So I, um, from an early age, was quite committed to trying to be a great violinist. And I won't say I was obsessed with it, but I was heavily devoted uh, to being a great instrumentalist. And that- How much time does that take? I mean, hours a day, week? So um, the amount of practice definitely increased uh, through uh, my childhood, but I would say um, by the time I am a freshman in high school, I was putting in a lot of hours. Uh, So it might have been three, um, four hours a day of practice, and when I wasn't practicing, uh, I was looking over sheet music, I was writing down notes, I was studying the composers, reading biographies uh, of the composers, and even the genres of music in the classical um, repertoire. So you loved it? I did. I, you, do you still love it? I do, absolutely. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you'll find almost every day uh, I still practice the violin, I still play it, I absolutely love it. Very different motive uh, for my playing. It's not trying to be the greatest you know, violinist or uh, to be praised in any way, but to uh, be a form of worship uh, to God through it. So I absolutely love it. I still get to play in church uh, on the violin, and being here in College Station, I'd love to get to use that gift. Here. Yeah, so... At what point did you said your motive shift a little mm-hmm. bit where basically it sounds like you were, I mean, were you trying to be the greatest violinist in the world or to what does that mean? Like I was trying to be a great concert violinist and um, I was in college. Uh, I started going to, for violin performance and I would say my I started shifting um, about the same time that I encountered fitness. So my uh, fitness journey um, began whenever I was a freshman. And uh, it was there that I definitely started seeing a shift. And uh, around that similar time was whenever I uh, had... God just put a lot of people in my life and uh, that impacted me in very different and tremendous ways. Can you describe some of those people or sure. one of those people? Um, so 
it, it was kind of an all at once thing, uh, but it took years uh, for it to sink through my thick skull. Um, so I had a friend named Edith at North Texas where I was doing violin performance who was my Christian influence. And she was amazing and asked me some of the hardest questions I've ever had to try and answer. And she would not let me hopscotch around the answer. She wanted to know, you know, why are you doing this? Do you, are you really a Christian? Do you really believe in Christ? Is he whom you love the most? Are you most committed to him? And, you know, and when she's asking, is she asking like about playing the violin or just in general about life? Uh, Okay. I mean, everything. Uh, and this school were you like, how did you mm -hmm. encounter Edith? Where you, so she was a piano performance major. Uh, she, and so she wasn't, you know, non performance based at all. She was a fantastic pianist and, uh, it was, uh, just an incredible, a time we studied together we did so we took a lot of classes together it just uh that's how i met her and uh through the violent we were double majoring in violent performance and music theory uh and there aren't many of those so you really are taking a lot of the exact same classes and it just enabled me to spend a lot of time with her and she was a very committed uh, person to Jesus. And yeah. So, and it was a Christian school. No, uh, oh, North Texas. She was the only Christian I knew, uh, there and in the liberal arts, uh, honestly, uh, you do not find hardly any Christians mm. there. You find, um, being raised in a evangelical Southern Baptist home. Uh, I, my parents instilled in me the values of being moral and Christian. And, uh, I definitely didn't have many friends there. One, you just don't have time. I was practicing the violin by this point, truly about six to seven hours a day, uh, and in a practice room. And when I wasn't doing that, I was in classes, uh, or I was studying. And, uh, it's just, you know, that's the kind of workload that you have to do if you want to keep up. I mean, um, they, they really throw a lot of music at you. Uh, and I had to learn how to play the piano, uh, for music theory. And so you're working a lot. Uh, so you don't have a lot of friends, but the few friends you have, she, again, she was the only Christian, uh, Mm. for quite a while. And And so here's a question I have kind of describe You described the home that you grew up in mm -hmm. as, Wonderful Christian parents, uh, very evangelical, mm-hmm. you know, Southern Baptist home. But you get to that point, your freshman year in college, and you're being challenged, mm-hmm. the way you describe it, by Edith. Mm-hmm. Um, where was it not synced up, or where did you feel that she was enlightening you in places that maybe you didn't even realize mm-hmm. that you were, needed to be enlightened? So I would say that I was not a Christian by this point, even though I could vocalize the gospel better than most, honestly. And um, I, I mean, I, I went to church pra- practically every single Sunday. I, I'm, maybe two or three Sundays I didn't go to church through my whole entire childhood up to 18. And I was still going to church uh, even whenever I was a freshman in college. Um, and... It, there was a dis- definite disconnect, though. Uh, it wasn't just head knowledge that you need to have to be a Christian. You need to truly believe in your heart. That means you need to love Jesus Christ with all of your soul. And your motives, when that happens, it they change. They, they're no longer seeking to have yourself glorified or to glorify man, but to truly glorify God. And you do things out of love for Christ. You want to play... Uh, because Christ gave us music. I mean, he created it. And then we're doing it as a form of worship to him. And whenever people applaud, you know, we want to give glory to God in that. We want to say, look what he has enabled me to do. Look what he has created. This is a gift. And it it just, I did not encounter the connection of that until I was 21 when I did become a believer. So after I knew Edith, but her effect on me 
was long lasting and it still is. I still think about the questions and the things that she asked me and how she challenged me. And now I can use that as a way to try and help others. And just well, you know, them. and she was very bold, right? Yes. Like that's, um, not, that's Edith. She is yeah. the definition of a bold believer in Christ. Yeah. So you said at that time, freshman year was when fitness kind of entered. Yes. So mm-hmm. that would have been 18, 19 18. years old, 18. So mm-hmm. prior to that, was there no fitness in your life? There was golf. Uh, so my parents, I, I will say I uh, more feigned an interest in golf. I, uh, I, was, I, I was decent at it. I wasn't a great golfer uh, by any means, but I was decent at it. And um, I, they, they made me do golf out of more, Jacob, you need to get out of the house, get out of your room, and get some sunshine and exercise, uh, because I was definitely reluctant to do that, and my parents have regaled me with stories of, I'm practicing violin in my room, and my mother will, or father would just come in and say, Jacob, please get out of the house. This is not healthy. This is not good, mm-hmm. and uh, so golf was definitely there, and uh, I, whenever I do something, I try to excel at it. I am naturally extremely competitive. And so if I wasn't the best golfer on the team, I, there, there was a problem and that was not going to last for very long at all. Um, whenever growing up. And so I made sure I was, you know, uh, the best golfer on the team. And so I would still, even though, even when I, even if I did it reluctantly, I would still try to excel in it. So I found myself on the driving range or on the putting green or chipping green um, every time. I wasn't big on going out and playing, you know, 18 holes, but I was really big on practice to try and excel in that. And I would just wear myself out that way. And so that was the only exercise I got. So if you can call golf a sport or exercise. Yeah, uh, no, it's movement know, for sure. It's what, movement. <laughs> right. No, I get what you're saying. So what was the best round of golf you ever played? Or do you, I mean, you recall oh, um, things that some, I would say, so, you know, you get to know your, you, the, uh, golf courses that, you know, so I played at Salmon's and Wildflower, uh, in Temple and Belton, uh, the most. And, um, Salmon's was definitely an easier golf course. Uh, and so I'd probably say I was around the, by the time I was a, so- a sophomore and junior in high school, I was probably shooting 70. Um, my best was so under, as- under par. Yes, under par and, you know, but just like in fitness, you have good days and bad days uh, in the gym. And so sometimes I might, you know, be three over or four over. Um, So um, and it was always because of the short game. Uh, And it was am I really committed to putting with excellence right now? Uh, And or am I being slightly lackadaisical? What did you you have to, to do it that much? You had to love the sport? No. Oh, you, you did not. I did not. I again, it was. I was purely driven at that point by just competitiveness. Uh, I wanted to be the best, and um, I, I just there. There's something about whenever you see on the roster who you know. Whenever you start a tournament uh, playing golf, you are placed in group. You know, so uh, someone might start on hole once. Uh, another group will start on hole two. You know, on that kind of start, and the best golfer will start on hole one or hole nine, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, hole 10. And if I wasn't starting there based on how we, on our qualifiers, uh, before the tournament, I was really not happy. Uh, and it would drive me to practice harder, even though I didn't really like it that much. Yeah. So it was just, again, purely driven out of competitiveness and pride. Uh, to a which high degree kind of goes in 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 the same page of what you said you know before actually becoming mm-hmm. a christian in your words yes. um realizing that these are gifts that are not for your glory but for his correct so golf and violin sounds like i mean you were putting in i mean those are two things that are very time consuming yes. between mm-hmm. those two things you were i'm sure practicing every day mm-hmm. multiple hours per week mm-hmm. and still managing to keep your grades up, I'm yes. sure to go to college. Mm-hmm. So you're had a pretty yeah. busy childhood, busy childhood. That's why a lot of times when people say, Oh, have you heard of this? Or have you watched, seen this or, you know, seen this movie or 
whatever. Uh, I, I feel like I've been, was raised under a rock, you know? <laughs> not because my yeah. parents, uh, cause you were always busy. Yeah. I was always, I was always really committed to those two things Yeah, and it wasn't because my parents lack of parenting. It was just, I was very driven and single minded. Yeah. So insert fitness, right? Mm-hmm. What happened freshman year? So freshman year, I was at North Texas violin performance and, um, I was, uh, for most of the first semester living alone in a dorm room and it's a dorm room from the university off campus. And I, you had to drive, uh, it was a 10 minute drive just to get on campus. And then, you know, when you park and then you walk, it was a 30 minutes to get to class or to the practice rooms. And so I applied for a transfer to live in a different dorm and I, uh, it took a while, but I finally got it near the end of the, my first semester. And I, uh, and I had a sweet mate that really was God putting fitness into my life. His name was Mark. And, uh, Mark was the complete, I would say a different species of human than I was. I was by this point, uh, at at a low point in my health, I was, I would say chronically sick. Uh, so probably one, one out of every four to five weeks I was sick with something and my sicknesses were escalating. So I was dealing with insomnia uh, just chronic insomnia. Um, I have three times had insomnia to the extent of not sleeping for seven days straight. And I really, and I had recently endured one of those bouts. That was my second bout of insomnia for seven days of no sleep. Mm. And I really thought, Lord, the third one might kill me. Uh, and, and, uh, add to that. Where do you think that was coming from? Um, I, I think it was, uh, in hindsight, uh, coming from led stimulation. Uh, so melatonin production was being, uh, uh, inhibited by constant led lights. So I would, uh, our practice rooms, uh, and computer screens, you know, are, have our led lights and there is that blue light, uh, which blue light is a high energy, um, light and has a high energy wave length. And so whenever it, uh, enters our eye, it stimulates us and it actually, it raises our body temperature. It causes, um, melatonin to be suppressed. And therefore, um, as I would describe so frequently out of, uh, mystification, uh, that I am exhausted. And I, I explained to my parents or a friend or even the doctor, I am exhausted. I have no problem feeling tired. I, but I can't turn that over into sleep. I can't mm. get knocked out. I'm just, I'm laying there in pain. I'm so tired, but I can't sleep. Uh, and you know, so I would, I'd be in the practice rooms till 1130 at night and there are just these bright led lights. And then I'd go back to my dorm room, which are bright led lights. And I would study on the computer till about 1230 or one. And then I try to go to sleep being stimulated so much with all of this light. And then I would try to sleep and I couldn't. Uh, and also there was a, a sense of even, um, just that, Again, it's like it's maybe that fine line between devoted and obsessed with being uh, excellent at it. So I would even uh, go to bed uh, with sheet music or with a book, uh, and I'd still be reading or studying uh, and try to do it till I tried to, you know, till I passed out, kind of thing. Uh, and so there, there was also just not relaxing mentally uh, as well, and that was. Uh, also a definite uh, aid in not letting me sleep. But <clears throat> so chronically, you were just ill, sick all Ill. the time. I was yes. I mean, the infirmary at the uh, university knew me by just by sight, uh, and you know, and I and I hated it. I I did, and I would think, man, they th- may, I hope they don't think I'm being a hypochondriac. Like they're like here's yet another problem, and. Uh, I, I mean, they're just, Hey Jacob, what's the problem now? And I, I I hated that. Uh, That was, but, um, you know, I mean, it was always, you know, extremely sore throat and the sore throats were getting worse or it was, you know, Oh my gosh, I have a kidney stone now. And, uh, or it was, you know, just another stomach virus, you know, just, 
Um, and they were, again, they were getting worse. I was um, 18 and uh, slightly underweight and uh, I had no energy and uh, I even look in, in pictures now you can see I even look gray almost. Uh, I was not a healthy man and a doctor had recently told me that Jacob you are an 18 year old man and about a 70 year old man's body like you are I, I was just not doing great. Wow. And then inner Mark. Uh, and so I transferred dorms and my sweet mate was Mark and he was the polar opposite of everything that I was. He was a highly energetic, completely ripped, lean, athletic guy. And I just, and he, he was a CrossFitter and he was a big advocate of the paleo diet. And in 2010, you know, there were really only two books that I knew of on the paleo diet. It wasn't a big thing like it is now or became. And, uh, so, I mean, just the first day that I meet him, he's already telling me about CrossFit, this thing I've no idea about. And he's telling me about the paleo diet and he's telling me, you know, like what eating healthy looks like. And uh, that day I drove to Barnes and Noble and got the two books by Dr. Lauren Cordain on the paleo diet. And I devoured both of those books uh, that night. And uh, so the next day, started trying in a dorm room to follow the paleo diet. And that was, and, and that same day, we, I did CrossFit for the first time, which CrossFit was training. He had a storage unit with a bunch of just random equipment. Uh, and he had an L1 uh, certification. And uh, he was just taking me in and our first workout was rowing and back squats i remember that was mine. wow so it was great That's did you uh i mean I, I just envision you in the state that you just described to me right the mm -hmm. 18 year old and the 70 year old's you know body and going into a back squat row workout was it just like crushing uh, or um i I had always good endurance, uh, yeah. I would say, but de strength was definitely a joke. Uh, I my I found a one rep. I don't think that day, but my one rep began at ninety five pounds, uh, and the, I I remember that squat was shaky as all get out, um, and so that was the beginning of my of me realizing I need to get stronger. Wow! Did you keep working out with him with Mark, or did yes. you end up going to an affiliate? There, uh, I if there was an affiliate, I did not know about it. Mm -hmm. I was told there wasn't, and I just I went with it. Um, yeah. And so no, it was just training with Mark. He, how, how drastic was the nutritional changes after when you read the Paleo book? Drastic. Uh, I d discipline is. is something not to sound both it's just something i never have dealt with lacking uh, i agree because i was going to mention that in your violin in golf uh, uh yeah upbringing like you have a lot of discipline so i could i mean yeah. makes a lot of and sense i'm self-motivated and so whenever i say whenever i say i'm going to eat healthy uh i'm going to eat healthy it, it doesn't when you decide you decide yes absolutely yeah. and uh I was tempted to eat junk food at that time. Uh, so for probably the first two years of eating uh, healthy, I would say, I dealt with temptation, but about after that point, not really. But yes, I, don't, I do not think I ever indulged uh, in any, anything. Uh, that... Where do you think the biggest changes in your diet were? Like what, describe to me pre-paleo, if you call it that, mm -hmm. and then post so, so, the um, paleo diet honestly didn't last long. It I transitioned to veganism, uh, which I'm still a vegan, uh, and but the biggest changes I would say were processed sugar um, and um, were um, just high fat, oily junk, um, and so you know eating in at the like lunch halls of the university and just eating whatever looked good. Um, and it all of a sudden it became a, uh, the, my focus was eating a wide array of colors. 
that was that was something that assisted me at that time. So eating lots of veggies and making huge salads. I mean, you know, enough to feed a horse kind of thing. Just massive troughs of uh, different veggies and fruits. And um, that was that was a huge change. How many years after that did you transition to veganism? Oh, it, paleo didn't. Paleo didn't last that long. So uh, shortly after, very shortly after, I so my studies of nutrition uh, just escalated, and you can see music was a high priority in my studies and my emphasis. And then all of a sudden, you can see in uh, just the books, you know, on my bookshelf, they it was you know quit being less biographies of musicians and you know and like techniques things and more into nutrition. Uh, and so I had a practice of reading a book every other day, uh, for years and years. And, uh, so that was the, most of those books became nutrition and I became a convinced vegan, uh, or plant-based if you want to call it that. Um, and, uh, pretty quick and uh to mark's chagrin he was like wait no 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 we this isn't the best oh your buddy yeah uh, yeah mark mark wasn't really into that uh but he was he was supportive and he he would just you know crack little jokes and it was awesome uh but i became a pre- convinced vegan pretty quick and okay that. um okay so let's talk through you know one rep max back squat mm-hmm. 95 yeah how many days a week are you putting in with Mark or just every day. Okay. CrossFit. So I'm CrossFitting every day, but again, I am still, uh, committed to excellent grades and I'm committed to being, I'm still a good violinist. Uh, so my, my training sessions were definitely, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, uh, at the most. And what kind and, of results did you see, um, from that? <clears throat> so I would say the biggest results were just the energy level um i really was lacking in energy and enthusiasm by this point and i saw my energy levels just escalate go off the charts i was honestly happy again and laughing again and i wasn't just walking around depressed i'm not gonna say depressed but just like suppressed i i was it would honestly be a better word i wasn't uh, you know, I wasn't dealing with resistance in energy levels. It was just, you know, having, you know, just that weight off of me that I could now like have energy to absorb all this and laugh and have fun and joke and, mm-hmm. uh, run around. And if you want to go do this, uh, or that with, you know, if you want to study with me or if we actually wanted to do something vaguely fun, uh, then I had the energy to do it and to enjoy it and have people even enjoy my company and presence. So uh, that was definitely the biggest change were my energy levels. And how long would you say did, did that streak go until we'll, we'll call it the next big step? Um, so I uh, left the, unit, the North Texas uh, and I moved down to Waco for to change degrees. And... Um, that in Waco, I didn't. Uh, I was living not really in Waco, um, and but about twenty minutes away, uh, more in the country kind of thing uh, is where I moved, and that was where my endurance training. So I transitioned from being more CrossFit to endurance based. So uh, I long, really long runs and long bike rides and long swims, and uh, that that was the athletic transition. I would say. Um, and I was definitely very committed, uh, to endurance training by this point and reading all kinds of books from Ironman triathletes to ultra distance runners and ultra distance swimmers and bikers. What, uh, what took you to Waco? Why did you, did you go to Baylor? Uh, I went to TSTC, uh, and then I did, I did do Baylor, uh, for, um, uh, French linguistics. So, um, and also for violin. Uh, but I was mostly focused on TSTC there. Uh, what does that State, stand for? Texas State Technical College, uh, where my degree was in um, aviation sciences, uh, specializing in air traffic control. Uh, so uh, one summer, my father uh, asked me, Jacob, what do you actually want to do for a job? How do you want to make money? And 
I I was falling out of love with violin, uh, definitely, and I was just afraid to admit it because my parents had invested so much money, and I invested so much time uh, into uh, violin, and that's really that was honestly my how you defined me or how I defined me. Uh, I wasn't a Christian by at that point, and so if you took violin from me, I I didn't know what I had left. Um, that was who I was. Uh, was a violinist. And so it was definitely a uh, radical change, but I transitioned over to try and, you know, have an actual job, uh, get a degree that gave me a job. So that's what brought me down to Waco. And uh, there I um, really, I didn't want to be defined as an air traffic controller. I wanted to be defined as an endurance athlete. And again, not a Christian by this point, but I became a Christian in Waco. And, um, so I just threw myself into ultra distance training and that's kind of the transition. How long did you go? Like what was the longest? Two thousand. Uh, how long of uh, the longest run I ever did was 323 miles. Um, so, in one run. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a race. It was from Houston to Waco. Um, and I had a crew of people who helped me through that. 323 miles. Mm-hmm. That's it how was, long it is from Houston to Waco. That's how long the run was. I don't know. Oh, if that's, wow. Uh, it was absolutely dreadful. Um, was it a, uh, I fell out of love with, with running. Was it a team? Uh, like you alternate? You, well, people do that. Uh, I did not, um, at that point. So it was great. How uh, long did that take? Uh, I think it took two and a half days. Um, no sleep. I, uh, I did get a, a couple 40 minute, uh, naps basically. Um, wow. but you know, again, that's where it's just like that. I, I self-motivation and self-drive is something I have never lacked. So I'm just going to do it. How'd you um, recover from that? I don't know. Uh, I, I was, I, uh, I wasn't, when I say I was sick, is that, is that the run different... you became a Christian? You got broke. No, so, <laughs> down so uh, no it was oh. actually much later that I became a Christian. Yeah. Um, I was kind but, of joking yeah, on that, but, but no, I did fall out of love with running, uh, like distance running about that point. I was truly, um, I thought I did, and I, it turns out I did uh, do lasting damage uh, from that the training and the, that kind of a run. So uh, I ended up, uh, I had in 2014, I had uh, to go to the doctor for a hip impingement and a labral tear. And that's mm-hmm. where he took x-rays and said that I had 15 stress fractures in one foot. Um, and you know, I, so I was, I ran that race in Vibram's, uh, Oh shoot. no, so you didn't. That was when no they were cushioning. popular. Yeah. yeah. Those were the five finger and, shoes uh-huh. that were popular back yes. then. Yes. And you know, there's no cushioning whatsoever in those things. Oh. And I would do trail runs and Wadache sandals, you know? So like, so you read born to run. I did read born to run. <laughs> oh yeah. Did you eat um, the chia or <laughs> I did? I did try chia. Yeah. I, I did. It did. I think that so he described it as, you know, nature's red bull and I did not experience that and I actually disagree with that <laughs> but uh I but yeah so um I did definitely had some uh problems that spawned from you know that kind of run I mean I almost feel like your endurance training should be an entirely other podcast because <laughs> I I just I I I that that's a long run and obviously training and I, I mean that's one of many runs that were mm-hmm. probably very long and so um so I'm curious you know you said you describe you became a Christian in yes. Waco how did that experience happen uh another roommate uh and that was probably the hardest challenge of all was I was definitely starting to realize there was a gap I had a roommate named Jeremy and uh Jeremy was a Christian and he was a vivacious Christian. And you could see since, since we were roommates, you know, I saw his whole life uh, and we spent a lot of time together and there was, there was no facade there. There was no, um, you know, hidden element about that man. He was a man who genuinely loved Christ and he, 
I, he challenged me completely different. He didn't, uh, than Edith, he didn't ask me difficult questions. He just challenged me by me seeing his joy for Christ and me, whenever I was honest with myself alone in my room, I didn't have that. I, I, we could talk and honestly, I could bet best him and knowledge of theology and scripture. Uh, but I couldn't best him in love with Christ and this enthusiasm that Christ gave him. I didn't have any of that. And at the end of the day, I would even, I was honest with myself and realizing I wanted to be praised for my knowledge of scripture and theology. I wanted to be lifted on a pedestal for that. And, and, and Jeremy sure Sutter wasn't going to do that. Uh, you know, he wasn't going to give me that. And it was a type of dissatisfaction that I felt, which was great because I realized I'm dissatisfied uh, with this conversation because what these truths that I'm saying, instead of Jeremy saying, Jacob, man, you are awesome. You are so knowledgeable. He was saying, oh, praise God. That's so beautiful. I love that. Jesus, you're amazing. And I'm just, wait, I'm mm. the one who said that, you know? Um, and so it was that disconnect. And, uh, and that led me to realizing I do not love Christ. Mm. I don't. And I was 20 when that happened, and it took me a whole year of reading and studying uh, scripture and theology differently as to what what am I lacking? That that verse that even the demons know and tremble, you know, at the knowledge of Christ and who Christ is, uh, that terrified me because I knew who He was, but yet there was a de- definite disconnect between you know Jeremy who loved Christ and me who. I clearly did not have that kind of enthusiasm or love. And it was uh, during, uh, it was one late evening, I was reading a book called Freedom of the Will by Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards became and still is my favorite Puritan to this day. And he described so palpably uh, what love meant Mm. and what it looked like for Christ and how that... Uh, was implemented in a Christian. And I I just remember there was when the Holy Spirit saved me. I was truly born again in Christ at that point. I I mean, I felt my dead soul become life. It, It was just a joy of reading these truths. And the feeling was one of love and affection. All of a sudden, these truths that were actually truly scary for me were becoming beautiful and just... All I can think is just, yes, this Mm. is truth, and this is goodness. This is who Christ is. I don't fear him anymore. He he has saved me. He has redeemed me in Christ, and I believe in him as my Lord and my Savior. And it was was 21 uh, when that happened, and uh, that was the biggest defining change in my life. That's awesome, man. I I love hearing that. I love... You describing each of these people differently, who God put in your life mm-hmm. and how they challenge you differently. Um, so that led you, uh, I'm guessing, to Louisville. Yes, which mm-hmm. is where you went to continue education in seminary. Yes, and, and you know, and kind of it, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, what what made your decision there? Is it now that you're kind of born new, born again? You want to go all in? And learn, or what led you to... So I was still in Waco, and I was doing a lot of ministry to the homeless. There is a high homeless population in Louisville, and I just found myself, even though I'm... Bear in mind, I'm still doing school. I'm you know, yeah. working hard. I am making good grades. Uh, and uh, But I also find myself, even when I'm sitting in the classroom, I am thinking about the people that I you know, that are on the streets and that who don't know Christ and whose lives are just demonstrably uh, living in opposition to him. And my desire to let them know, hey, this is who Christ is. Please believe in him as your Lord and Savior. Commit your life to him. Uh, and I was just thinking about this and praying about it and, you know, being surrounded by people who weren't Christians. And I thought, I want to go into ministry. I want to serve people and seek to bring them to a saving faith in Christ. I want to be an evangelist. And the only way that I knew to do that was you need to go to seminary and you need to get trained to do it. And um, so that I 
that's whenever I made the big move from uh, Waco, Texas to Louisville. Where did you finish, end up finishing your undergrad? Uh, at TSTC. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you went to... Then I went to Louisville. And what and did you, what was your, the, the so masters? It was uh, a masters in divinity. Uh, and I had two uh, primary focuses were in pastoral ministry and systematic theology. Okay. So um, definitely the more eggheaded route uh, at the beginning. But um, again, that's just what I knew is that to, to excel in something, you have to have a tremendous amount of knowledge. Uh, is what I believed. And I, I believe it to definitely to an extent, but knowledge will only take you so far. If, if you cannot communicate effectively to people and you are not a vivacious, energetic, happy soul that is attractive to people to an extent, then your knowledge isn't going to take you very far. Uh, and I, I saw that I encountered that. Um, I'm honestly, when you're at seminary, you have, there are so many men who have the worst social skills ever there I, rem- I remember listening to so many sermons and these truths were the truths were fantastic the sermons were very accurate and knowledgeable but they were just they were not attractive they weren't drawing there the people who were presenting them had no people skills and i i saw that and realized oh my gosh that's me i need to actually get the heck out of my my room and away from my desk for once and actually get to know people and develop these social skills. Um, and so that's whenever, um, I trans, you know, I transitioned and started pursuing evangelism and started pursuing, um, even working in different cultures and started studying languages really hardcore, uh, and just trying to become a big people person. And I use, I definitely use CrossFit, uh, as a platform to do that. Yeah. So you kind of transitioned me into that gym that you mm-hmm. found in Louisville Four barrel Yeah. Mm-hmm. that you, uh, how did you end up at that gym? So, um, there was a CrossFit gym actually at Southern seminary called CrossFit SPTS. And I was going there, um, and I was so excited to have a CrossFit gym again, uh, cause Waco, I didn't do any CrossFit and, uh, I knew endurance training just wasn't the deal. Uh, there are pictures of me. i you know, I'm five, eight, five, nine, uh, 130 pounds. Uh, and I just looked like I got out of a prison camp. It was terrible. Uh, and I just knew that wasn't healthy either. Um, and so I needed to strength train again. I needed to train, uh, train, um, in CrossFit and, you know, Mark's words of wisdom and me reading about, um, you know, the human body and physiology, just realizing I need to get into a healthy lifestyle again. And so there was CrossFit SPTS. And so I was, uh, going there and training. And then, uh, I decided to leave that gym, uh, at that same time where I'm having this epiphany of, wow, I really have bad social skills. Uh, so I went to a gym outside of what we call the Bible bubble, uh, or the seminary hub. And so I went, it was 20 minutes away from the seminary and yeah, there was not a single seminarian, uh, at that gym. And so, which is, I was thrilled with, uh, I was a Christian surrounded by people who weren't Christians. And, uh, so I stayed there for years, uh, and, that's where uh, I was able to start coaching and do, do a coaching internship. I got my L1 at, at that time. So L1 was in 2015. So what ignited the spark to coach? The spark to coach was uh, me seeing the effect that coaches had on people in the gym. And I loved just the when people would ask me, Hey Jacob, help me do this. Help me with a, you know, a butterfly kip. Uh, and I love doing that. I found myself, man, I, I, this is fun. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. Helping people, uh, to pursue fitness better and help people make better eating decisions and better habits in their life. Uh, it was thoroughly enjoyable to me. And I would, I would be asked a lot of questions I did not know. And it was just, Oh, I will find that out for you. And so I would just go home and get more books and read and study up and come back with uh, some answers. 
and it was just thoroughly enjoyable to me. And so you can just see uh, on my Kindle just this transition still of kind of <laughs> like just theology to theology and fitness, theology and fitness, uh, theology and nutrition. And uh, it was just uh, kind of just a really smooth and natural transition over to wanting to coach. And so that was during your time while at, at seminary mm-hmm. that you were coaching CrossFit? At seminary and uh, went up to uh, get my L1 and come back, do the internship, and then start coaching part-time. Did you finish the master's mm-hmm. at, in Louisville? I did. And then what career did you kind of get into after that? So I was uh, working, I'm fluent in Arabic uh, and French and um, whenever I graduated and um I was working for the Jenkins Center at Southern Seminary. I was um, managing it. There was a director, and I was the manager of the place. And it was an Islamic mission center. So we were um, working on trying to reach Muslims with the uh, gospel of Christ. And uh, with that, that was a big focus of mine, um, was uh, training people to do that, training people uh, in Islam and teach. And so I taught uh, Islamic studies and I taught Arabic and um, that was the first part. But still there was this disconnect of I, you go to seminary, I got a degree in pastoral ministry and systematic theology. I didn't get it in Islamic studies or in missions. So you become a pastor. Uh, there's still that disconnect. I wasn't, you know, I might have some book smarts, but I don't have a lot of street smarts. And so I did pursue applying for pastoral jobs and I became the children's pastor. Uh, I was blessed to be the children's pastor of the largest uh, Baptist church in Indiana and I had a, a big staff under me, and I found myself um, having quite a big job ahead of me. And very shortly on, I was not satisfied. Um, I found myself thinking about the gym and the people at the gym and just um, wanting still to serve them and to uh, you know build the, continue building these relationships with them. And... Um, it, it, it didn't last long, the uh, children's job, before I did end up uh, making that connection that, you know, I think I'm really meant to coach and to be in a gym. Uh, it is not a lower calling to, be from, to go from pastor to a coach. It's not. Uh, and it, it is a, you know, God gives us all different kinds of gifts. And it was um, this final connection of realizing oh my goodness, I really do want to coach and to be a Christian light in a gym. I want to help people change their lives physically and spiritually and emotionally. Uh, I want to do all of it. And I wasn't, I wanted not more. I just wanted something different than just being a children's pastor or being a pastor. And this was around what year? That was 2000 and the end of 2018 and 2019. Okay. Uh, So early 2019, uh, I think March 2019 is whenever I did quit my job uh, in Indiana and I moved back to Belton and I started training and coaching at CrossFit Sprague. Full time. Uh, Yeah. It started part time, became full time uh, there at Sprague. Which such, I mean, everything you just said, such a cool story, how you ended up and you know, when you and I, by the time you and I spoke, which was, I think it was right after BCS classic. So it would have been like August 30th or 29th mm-hmm. Monday, you and I have a conversation. You apply to the gym through barbell jobs. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we, I think we went through a fast forward version of what you just described. So I love hearing a little bit more of the details, even in this interview. Um, what have you learned? Because at CrossFit Sprague, you were part-time then full-time. Like, what have you learned kind of given the the thoughts that you had about ministry and transitioning from full-time ministry or pastoral, you know, career to, to coaching, like what mm-hmm. has been kind of the thing that you've, um, today realize even more than you did then thing I've realized more given the thoughts that you were having about, man, I'm called to be a coach. Like mm-hmm. it, something I've, I would say I've realized is that, I mean, you, one, you have to be a 
superior coach. You have to have excellent knowledge and skill in coaching and a great eye for things. And you might be the most wonderful, devout Christian on earth, but if you're a terrible coach, no one's going to listen to you. Um, and uh, similarly, if you know being on a coach, honestly, you are highlighted. Uh, there is a spotlight on you in the gym. You know, everyone's looking at you, and you know they're looking for direction. And if you slip up even once in your attitude, if you say one foul word, if you have one bad attitude or one despairing comment your trust is largely gone. Uh, you have to be, as Paul said, a man above reproach. And it is, you know, it is just this absolute um, commitment and realization that I need to be a man above reproach. I need to coach with true excellence. I need to have vast knowledge of physiology and nutrition and lifestyle. I need to have vast knowledge of even psychology and mental health. And, you know, whenever I, you know, am dealing with people who might be big procrastinators, um, not just saying, okay, just stop procrastinating and do it, but actually meeting them where they're at uh, and then helping them cross that and to help them along that journey and having patience and compassion and empathy uh, to uh, do this with true excellence. Man, I love it. And uh, I, I want to still connect the fitness journey because mm-hmm. I feel like, man, this has been so good just to hear your whole story and, and where you've gotten and how you're here. Um, but just putting in perspective, you're, I mean, you're obviously getting fitter mm-hmm. <laughs> throughout this entire journey, uh, since, you know, the, the first day that you back squatted 95 pounds and continuing through, you know, working out discipline, mm-hmm. eating better. Um, where would you say in your fitness journey, like you've seen the most, um, results physically? Uh, physically gymnastics. Um, so I, when I'm asked like, what's my favorite CrossFit movement? Um, you know, my answer is not the one that I'm most skilled at. Uh, it is in fact one that I really thought was impossible to handstand walk. Uh, so I practiced that handstand walk for ever and I couldn't do one. I, I just, I could not do it. I, I mean, I'm over here. I could best almost anyone at a, at mu- in muscle ups, uh, you know, and in high school movements. But that wretched handstand walk, I couldn't do a cotton picking one. Uh, like three feet was an impossibility. And you know, so I would say, you know, definitely the handstand walk uh, it, it, and gymnastics in general. Um, improving the mobility, you know, when you're an avid cyclist or an avid runner, you develop just this horrible hunched over posture, which is terrible for overhead, um, mobility and stability. And yeah, so it was just this, um, plugging away and constant practice and diligence and honestly falling on my back, just killing straight over and having the wind knocked out of me all the time. Uh, and, uh, so it was definitely that area that I would say I've seen the most improvement uh, and I've had to really practice and work on, I have to do mobility just every day. Um, or if I don't, man, I will be feeling it in my shoulders and back and I, I'm just cruising for an injury. Uh, so, you know, definitely that kind of an area. Yeah. You, um, so, you know, in the really last seven or eight weeks, we've gotten to know each other. Uh, you've gotten to know our coaches Mm-hmm. And really in the last week and a half, you've gotten to know a lot of our members yes. and you and I met yesterday or two uh, Monday and you described to me kind of, uh, about the community, but I've, I think mm-hmm. it's worth sharing on this podcast just so as people kind of hear your story, hear your heart, like, and you're going to be coaching them. Um, if not already, by the time they listen to this, like, um, what have you felt coming into these walls at this gym? Home. I have... Whenever I was at Sprague and probably uh, early 2021, I think, was whenever I started realizing, you know what, not to be boastful, but I think, you know, with my certifications and with my skills as a coach, I can coach pretty much wherever I want. Uh, So now I think it's time to find the gym that 
and a boss that holds to the same values and the reason for CrossFit that I got into it. I mean, I could be an air traffic controller. I could be a translator. I could be a pastor. I want to be a coach. And I became a coach for three reasons. I want to help people um, improve in their health and their fitness. I want to help people go from being sick to healthy and from healthy to fit. I want to help people emotionally and I want to care for them and serve them emotionally. And uh, I want to also help them spiritually and to seek to help bring people to a saving faith in Christ or Christians to help, you know, bring them in a greater love of Christ. And I wanted a gym that met all of those standards. I wanted a uh, boss and a gym owner who, uh, you know, he didn't use foul language. He believed in Jesus Christ. He trained. You know, you'd be amazed uh, how many people, how many gym owners, they don't do CrossFit. They are burned out of CrossFit. And how can you be a big ambassador of the sport saying, people come to this gym and get healthy and fit, uh, do the CrossFit methodology when they themselves aren't doing it or therefore not really believing in it, you know? And I wanted, uh, you know, a gym owner who, and a boss in a gym and an environment that loved people genuinely. Mm. You know, I, I have seen gyms where they love the people only insofar as their pocketbook is concerned. Um, you know, they are just another, the people are just another statistic. And even though you might have a facade of caring for them, that people are going to find out real quickly, you know? Um, and I wanted a place where they, people where the gym and really, really cared for the people. They loved them. They were truly incandescently happy whenever the people came in and to see them and to continue getting to know them and loving on them. And then I wanted a gym where, uh, the, you know, the, uh, boss gym owner, uh, truly loved Christ and he lived it out. Mm. And I, I, you know, whenever, you know, you are a part of a gym whose boss, you know, might use a lot of really bad language. What, for me, what happens is, and I saw, um, I would separate myself. I would try to distinguish myself from that by, you know, not using it. And so you're saying, well, there's them and here's Jacob. And I hated that. Um, I wanted, I didn't, I don't want to be separate. I want to be in harmony and in unity with the people I'm working with. Uh, and, uh, I want, you know, for all of us to be building together and improving together and serving people together. And I knew this was an incredibly tall order. Uh, and, you know, fortunately I was coaching and so I had time. I didn't, you know, I wasn't desperate trying to find a job. It was more just, you know, God in your good timing, uh, please let this gym come across to me. And so I was applying for jobs and, uh, I really, I know they were interviewing me, but in my perspective, I was more interviewing them, uh, and all these different gyms and, you know, um, on, there was also a fourth side that I would be thrilled if it was local, if it was close to my family whom I love and I get, want to see all the time. And, uh, then here comes, you know, an application I see online for BoomFit. And it was just, I read the application and I thought, holy moly, whoever <laughs> wrote that, they are wanting a, I mean, th they have high expectations. They are wanting a stellar coach. Uh, and I mean, they're wanting someone who is committed to this. And it was thrilling. And so before I applied, I read... Um, online on your website and read and I saw even how the website is designed it's you know community and there is fitness and uh, you even see faith in it and I just uh, this is looking good so far mm -hmm. and then I apply I talk with you on the phone and I think oh my goodness I uh, on that phone call learned about a pod the podcast and uh, so I started I did look and found the podcast started listening and I thought Whoever this Charlie guy is, mm. he can't be faking it. The, there, there's just too much here. Uh, and I just heard the enthusiasm in your voice, even talking and asking you all those questions that you were so kind to answer for me on that first phone call. Uh, I thought, Lord, this, I mean, 
this is this really might be the place. And then uh, after that phone call, I think we waited 10 days yeah. before I came here. Yeah. And that was the longest 10 days possibly of my life. Um, and But it was great because it was just saturated in prayer. And all of the people in my church and at, at the gym... Uh, were praying for me, and they knew, you know, they knew I was looking, and they knew what I was wanting, and uh, then I come here, and it just sealed the deal. This place is the answer to my prayers. I mean, if this isn't uh, a perfect example of God's sovereignty and of His um, willingness to answer prayer, I mean, even exactly to a T how mm. you're asking for it, uh, then I don't know what is. Uh, it's incredible. So, I mean, right away, day one, I just, I know I'm at home. The coaches and I, we are in lockstep with one another. I love every single one of them. It is great. And the people here, I mean, they are happy to be here. They love this place and we love them to mm. death, you know? And I mean, it's just, it has felt like, you know, I, my goodness, I have finally come home. Uh, Man, I, I mean, I'm almost tearing up, literally. I'm like, as you share all that, because I told you this, and I'll say it on this podcast because um, I believe it to a conviction that we are the gym that you've been looking for, and you are the exact person we've been looking for. And mm-hmm. so I know this is going to be an incredible, um, long-term, great not only career, um, but friendship and community. And, uh, you know, after doing this for as long as I feel like I've been doing it, you know, God's been so good to bring the people into the gym, both as customers and employees, right. Who he feels are the people that need to be here Mm -hmm. on the timing that they need to be here. And so, um, I've shared that with you, but I think, you know, just to echo everything you're saying, it is, equal in uh feelings for from us and i say that as a coaches and seeing you interact with them and our members so i'm really excited for what the future holds jacob and and hearing this story has been great i do have one more question i know we've probably gone way longer than we probably both expected so the title of the podcast is building better people Mm -hmm. core conviction of the gym reason that i wake up every day the reason Mm -hmm. i've recorded these interviews is that I believe that maybe somebody will hear your story or maybe somebody will hear another story and it's that story that's going to get them off the couch. It's Mm -hmm. that story that's going to get them in a gym or get them walking or doing whatever it is because when they start exercising, I believe they are becoming a better version of themselves. So you've described your life story. You've described a lot of kind of how you got into working out. Obviously, a big theme in your life story is the Lord Mm -hmm. and, and I always want to be respectful in not making out exercise to be, you know, a replacement or something that will um, be a better option than following Jesus. But I will say they're pretty close in my book. (laughs) Yeah. So how is exercise, how is fitness, how is eating better, living out that path that you've lived out made you a better Jacob? I am happy. Like I described I became happy and energetic and maybe a touch too too dramatic um, before I became a believer uh, just by exercising and eating right. Um, I, my, my relationship with my parents improved radically. I I wasn't talking with them and just grumpy all the time uh, and even complaining a lot, but I actually was happy and I, definitely a lot more positive and everyone knows that person in their lives or has encountered that person who they just can't seem to say a darn positive thing it is just negativity and no one wants to be around that you know and so whenever you train there you truly you are much happier you are much more energetic you are much more capable i mean no one wants to be sick all the time you want to be healthy Mm -hmm. and oh my goodness I, i I, you know, when you're not sick, whenever you feel great, you're going to live life. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that is, and even, you know, biblically, we call it general revelation. There's the beauty and the majesty of the, of our bodies and relationships and the world. I mean, 
I mean, if you don't have the ability to go on a hike, you can go see some incredible things. Mm. Uh, if you are suppressed and just uh, not energetic, then you're not going to have great relationships. And whenever you train, that all that all becomes transitioned from being suppressed to being energetic, from being incapable to being capable, from being sick to being healthy, or from being healthy to being fit. And man, whenever you, you know, whenever you have this ability to move with efficiency and capability, it, it is such an incredible confidence builder in your life. Mm-hmm. And whenever you I mean, honestly, whenever you have that willpower, I'll say to say no to the cookie and to say yes to the healthy option, uh, then that transitions over to so many other aspects in your life. And it's just a practice. You know, we're all going to fail. We're all we all might indulge. We all might uh, do something we shouldn't. But then it's a practice. It's a you know, we're constantly improving and you're not we're not building perfect people we're building better people mm. better means this constant movement and progression to better you know and uh and that's what we're helping them become we whenever they come and say yeah you know i had that you know cookie and we, it's okay okay to now is today and now we can help you know now let's find a healthier option let's help you you know and and with that saying no to the cookie you can also say no to other decisions and to other things and say no whenever you're tempted to be grumpy to saying yes to being happy uh you know to see your wife when you walk in or to uh, seeing a friend uh even though you might not be feeling it hey, snap out of it come on and this whole journey this whole fitness journey enables that love it thank you once again thanks for listening If you live in Bryan College Station, we would love for you to come to our gym and start with one of our programs. If you're interested in more information about our services or a free trial, visit us at boomfitbcs.com. That's boomfitbcs.com.